0: busy Mm -mm. okay let me run something past you real quick the wiser that I become there is one statement that holds true and near and dear to my heart no matter where I seem to apply this in life it just seems like it is extremely applicable you have to be very aware of who and where your blessings are coming from who is the blesser and what they are blessing you with. There is a huge difference between someone gifting you something, another mere human going ahead and blessing you in that regard, opposed to when you have a God-assigned gifting or God-assigned blessing. I am, and I said it in some of our other conversations, but it is worth repeating, I don't want anything that God didn't give to me. I'm talking about don't even try. I don't care how many bows you put on it. I don't care how much sparkle and glitter is on it. I don't even care if it's scented essential oilness, and it's just, you know, very aromatic to the nose. I don't want it, sir, ma'am, if I cannot confirm that God didn't give it to me. And that is because through life's bumps and bruises, I have learned that if God didn't give it, then God doesn't have to maintain it. And I cannot go back to him and ask him to fix repair or redirect something that he was never a part of in the first place. So I am at a point in my life that I'm very clear, if I can't go back to God to get some additional instructions or anything else to that degree, then you can just cross my name off. I don't care if I'm the first in the line, I will graciously walk off the line because I cannot afford to live a life with a blessing that I thought was from God. And then when I unpack it and start to indulge in it, I realize that it was a burden. When it is from God, it is a blessing. When it is not from God, it is a burden. Too much of something that you are not equipped in handling is a burden. Because essentially, when you break it down to the foundational root, isn't that what a blessing is? A blessing is something that, oh my goodness, in and of yourself, you could not have made it happen, right? Or that is outside of your comfort zone, outside of your zone of familiarity, outside of what you projected. It may even be outside of your lead. It could be relationship, it could be job, it can be a whole bunch of things. But it is clear that in and of itself, by yourself, there's no real way that you could have graciously went ahead and got from point A to point B with ease, with excitement, and knowing in your being, it, this is a blessing. So when it's not from God, it's on the flip side. It's a burden. It's a big house with too much payment and with a small paycheck. It is a big car with all the bells and whistles with too much interest rate and it's, it's literally choking your checks month to month. It's a child with a huge personality that is super opposite from yours and you are like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do. It is a job that you are not qualified for. You don't have the experience, but you may have some educational or intern experience. But in and of itself, what you have, what you have inside of you, is not enough to complete this particular task with excellence. That feels heavy. That's when you know it's a burden. But when it's of God, you cannot be qualified. You can be a shepherd, be anointed to be king, go back to be a shepherd. And then, you know, just wait your turn until it's time to be king like King David did. You can see the house, see the bigness, and just be like, you know what, God? I was a good steward over the money that you gave me. I went ahead and cleared up the debt and things that would choke away from the situation. So if this is of you, it's going to come down to a payment that is going to be comfortable for me so that I can be a good steward and continue to be a good steward over my money. It looks very much like going to the closing table or going to the renter's office or going to the dealership and being like, there's no way. With the naked eye, this could have turned out to be anything else because I know such and such a situation didn't turn out like that. And I know that one time and that one time, and you're comparing, you're like, you know what, I'm clear, this is a blessing. And so I say all that because I came across a, a, a story in the Bible that just absolutely, positively just it inspired me. There's no other way to do that. And because there's so much I want to share, I'm not even, let's just jump right into it, please. Okay, great. Second Kings 4, you know, I read from the NOT version. I've been reading a lot about Elisha, the prophet, and man, he, this man has so much nectar. I don't know why I wasn't drinking the juice beforehand. I, I'm not clear. But just to give you a little bit of a backdrop, there was a woman from Shunanim that showed him kindness he would go and travel and every so often he would pass by this particular town or this place and she offered him a meal she's married and she they didn't the bible didn't say her name so i don't have a name to give her uh and so when elijah would go by once she gave him that meal in the initial realm he was like okay well Every time I passed by here, she must have been knowing how to cook because Elijah was like, I'm going to eat here every time. And he came there so often that she told her husband, like, listen, maybe we should go ahead and create some room for him, you know, and put a lamp and pretty much give him a little bit of an attic space, if you will, because it was just herself and her husband. So, Elisha started to see, like, you know what? You are super-duper kind, ma'am. I need to do something for you. So, this is where it picks up because he asks his servant, like, you know, what could we do for her? And the servant was like, well, she doesn't have a son, you know. She only has a husband. And her husband is old. So, this is where it picks up on 2 Kings 4. I just gave you a synopsis up to this point. We're going to read at verse 15. Call her back again, Elisha told him, talking to the servant. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, 16, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. 17. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha has said. 18. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the serv- harvesters. Nineteen. Suddenly, he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts, his father said to one of the servants. Carry him home to his mother. Twenty. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime, he died. Twenty-one. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there 22 she sent a message to her husband send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back 23 why go today he asked it is neither a new moon festival nor a sabbath but she said it will be all right 24 so she saddled the donkey and said to the servant hurry don't slow down unless I tell you to 25 as she approached a man of God at Mount Carmel. Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. 26. Run out to meet her and ask her, Is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, Everything is fine. 27. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught on hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. 28. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? 29. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. 30. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. 31. Gehizah hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. 32. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. 33. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. 34. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. 35. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then dressed himself out again on the child. But this time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Thirty-six. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi. Call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. Thirty-seven. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Let me explain something to you. We going to stop there. We're going to stop there because, again, this is Thanksgiving and you need to know it, okay? Let me explain something to you. There's a few things that I learned from this woman. <laughs> Her wisdom surpasses anything that I've ever seen. If you know anything about women, especially when it comes to their children, okay, the average woman, some may be different, but the average woman is super-duper de emotional when it comes to their child which is why on the onset the thought of having a child she was like oh buddy don't get me hype please don't get me hype I'm hype you know Beyonce right it was like sir don't do it because you don't even know I'm trying that felt like Christmas to my soul so for this little boy to pass in her arms and her next (laughs) chain of events was I'm gonna place him on the bed of God I'm going to go ahead and go to the man of God. But look what she had to go ahead and possess. She had to have self-control and pass on the invite to be emotional. She had to literally have the composure to know exactly what to do. Literally, I don't know anybody that could have had a child, had had the child in the lab, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh literally not breathing right now okay so what I'm gonna do is like literally let's go back to it it says uh verse 20 so the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap but around noontime he died 21 she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God then shut the door and left him there and then the next verses are saying this is when she spoke to her husband so bro you passed on being emotional phenomenal because the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So the fact that you were able to execute that, like literally you didn't lose it. She didn't go into a state of, okay, it's noon, but she's crying for an hour. And then she composed herself and said, you know what? I know what to do. She didn't do any of that. It was like, you know what? I'm going to place him on the bed of the man who gave me the shout. I'm going to place him and I'm going to lay him in the very bed of the man that I allowed to come in my home and bless me with this in the first place. I'm going to place this child on a bed. You don't place dead things on a bed. Only living beings are on a bed, right? But the fact that she carried him up to a bed already set the stage of, I don't accept that you are dead. I don't accept that this God-given thing, this blessing that was given to me, I don't accept the fact that, that the enemy is going to try to make me believe I told you so Mm-mm. no I didn't come all this way to be old for my husband to be old to show kindness to the man of God to do all these different things to get this blessing that I didn't even ask for and to get hype and then be like okay don't get me hype if this is not you, don't get me hype and to get all the way to the very rim of the Red Sea to feel like now we about to drown Mm-mm. as a faith base believing woman she stood her ground and said absolutely not this will not be the end i know a god that parted the red sea i know a god that had almost nine plagues plus in egypt i know a god that will harden the heart of a pharaoh just to go ahead and drown him later i know a god that would do some miraculous things for his people so what i'm going to do is i'm going to place this baby who is temporarily sleep on a bed because he will get get up out of this how phenomenal of a lesson in that one little silent outcome. She didn't say nothing she didn't it's the fact that she did a thing that spoke volumes her actions spoke faith. Then for her to go on in the next verses and send a message through the servant, go ahead and um, tell my husband and send me a donkey real quick. So I'm I'm sure she had to have the same composure of calmness speaking to the servant. Then when it came to her husband, he was like, "Bro, why are you, why are you going down there now? There's no new moon or no festival and nothing happened. Like, what's up? And her only verbiage, she she had to be a little bit of you know had some uh some street cred because she was like, "It'll be all right." like sir you don't need to know nothing okay I need to get to where I need to get to to make sure that we can turn this situation around and I'm not going to involve anyone else who I know deep down in my soul cannot go ahead and adjust the thing that I deem to be broken you have to be very careful to realize that people are limited in resolving a God issue and the fact that she knew that, I'm not even, it doesn't even make any sense to get emotional now. It doesn't even make any sense to give the servant any information that he can't go ahead and fix anyway. It doesn't make any sense to have my husband come back from home, from come back from work to, do, to be emotional with me. He can't do nothing because he didn't give it to me so he cannot help me in this. And no shade to the husband. But when it is clear that God gave you a thing, you need to find your way back to God. And so for her to just be like, it'll be all right to me translated as I'm not going to worry you with what you can't fix that. I'm talking about the, the wisdom in that. Do you see what I'm saying with that? Then for her to keep, so she kept her emotions intact. She, when she was speaking to the servant, she kept her composure. When it was time to speak to her husband, she kept the same composure. Then she had to continue that bruh. And my head is like, I'm going to be honest the way that I think, the, the the child passed at noon. Every second is counting, sir. <laughs> we need that. We need all hands on deck. Like I need, sh- I need you to get. But the fact that she got on that donkey, saddled it up, and turned the serv- servant Harry, don't slow down unless I tell you. That was the most, the most umph that she put in since the child passed. Right? It was like, oh, you just saw. That's the equivalent to getting to an Uber and saying, bruh, step on it. I don't, I don't care nothing about these lights. I don't care nothing about if the sirens is after you. I said, step on it, sir. I'm talking about pepping the steps, sir. I'm talking about I need you to have a lead foot at this time, okay? And then as she was approaching the prophet, the one that blessed her to say that she would have a child, that opened up her wound so that she can get pregnant, he sent his servant Gehazi and was like, oh, she's coming here. He was wise enough to go ahead and say, I haven't seen this woman since I don't know when. Go go back and ask her, is everything all right with her, her husband, and her child? Because there's only one reason why this woman would come back here and say something to me. And I'm not really sure. And for her to just, I'm talking about, and I'm picturing in my head with a smile, tell the servant, yes, everything is fine. In verse 26. Yes, everything is fine. Ma'am, how did you hold your composure even through the servant that is the closest thing to the prophet that gave you this blessing? Because I believe that she understood, but it's still not the person who assigned this gift being the person close to is still not the person that I need to talk to that's the equivalent to people calling somebody up and saying hey I need you to pray for me because you already deem that their relationship is deeper with God than yours so you feel like oh, okay well if I tell you and you pray then maybe God will hear me Mm-mm. Mm-mm. no once Jesus did that heroic thing on on Calvary yeah we don't need to do any of that we don't need no third party anything we need to be speaking to the source at all times. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You don't need to speak to the higher up or the assistant of the higher up. Mm-mm. You need to be bold enough to ask the assistant. Can you schedule me in and pencil me in? and have a meeting with such and such. No one can advocate for you the way that you need to advocate for yourself. The passion that you need, the anointing that you need is in you. And you don't need that third party to go through someone else. And I love the fact that this woman, Fashunam, went ahead and illustrated that. I'm sure the servant came up to her ready, willing, and able, like, bro, what you need from me? And she was like, everything is fine. (laughs) I need your boss, sir. Mm Mm-mm. And I'm not going to be nasty about it, but I need to speak to your supervisor that's the equivalent (laughs) of the modern day I'm going to speak to your supervisor but without the nastiness she just was very clear you are not the person that can fix this you are not the person that assigned this so I'm not going to go ahead and involve you in this oh my gosh again the wisdom so then moving forward she kept her composure all the way through, right? Her own emotions, the the servant that was back at her home, her husband, um, you know, the, the assistant servant to Elisha the prophet. But when she got to Elisha by verse 27, it says, London bridges fell down, Hmm. But when she came to the man of God, I'm reading. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught on to his feet. Do you, that's where it all buckled down. Listen, it's okay to be emotional. We're not asking anyone to go around and be um tin man. okay? We're not asking for anyone to be for tough. There is a time and a place, according to what the Bible just illustrated through this woman, there is a time and a place to go ahead and air quotes, lose it to be vulnerable to be unveiled you don't do that along the way do you see how many people and how many things she had to pass through what if she would have had been that emotional the whole way through by the time she got to Elisha would she even had had the strength or the anointing to say anything but you know what the beauty was when she caught on to his feet and you could just illustrate that right or you can just envision that that her actually going up to him, falling on the ground, grabbing hold of his feet, that is a woman that is losing it. She is distraught, and understandably so. Her baby is, on, is not breathing, sir. Like, Understandably so. But the servant didn't understand that. He didn't understand that illustration. So verse 27 goes on and continue to say that the servant tried to push her away, but Elisha was like, Mm-mm, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. It takes an anointing to know what you're supposed to resolve. Because if in the wrong hands, if not careful, you would be like the servant and try to push away what God is trying to unveil. The fact that Elisha was wise enough and connected to God enough to know she's troubled but I can't see it God can you I love the fact that Elisha wasn't like hey what's wrong what's wrong you know how humans do what's the matter What? Ha-? and I'm looking down what happened you all right okay hold on sh- sh- get up I- I- listen I need you to tell me what happened it was hold on I'm sensing that she's deeply troubled. I can see it visually and I can sense it, but God has not revealed it yet. That's the type of position and the kind of posture that you need to stand in when you are blessed with the ability to do God's footwork. You don't need to use just the natural realm. This woman is on the floor crying, get up. None of that, right? No, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. We don't do that here. Um, this is a, um establishment where we... No, no, no. Sometimes you need to push away the human reaction and emotion toward a thing and kind of say, hold on, let me savor in this moment to see if God is trying to show me something. Oh, my goodness. And then he left her alone. I love the fact that the Bible doesn't indicate that he asked her anything. I would like to go ahead and assume that he let her get all her crying out. However you're feeling, just go ahead. Because the next verse picks up on her saying a thing, not him. The last thing he said was, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then verse 28 says, then she said, so I love the fact that they allotted that time. Let her have her moment. We're so quick in the in the physical human realm to rush somebody along. What happened? Sometimes you, you pick up a phone and somebody is and you can sense it, you like, you okay? And you can hear silence or you could just hear the distraught or you can hear the sniffling or you or you're in front of them and you can see it. And sometimes we just want to rush to give me the information, but sometimes you just need to let people process so that as they're speaking a thing, God can reveal a thing to you. Don't be so quick. We're so rushy, rushy. That's one of the reasons why I left New York. It's just so rushy. It's like, I want to take my time. Give people a chance to process what they're feeling. Because nine times out of 10, you have to get past your emotions to get to the logic. So after she went ahead and cried and did whatever was done at verse 28, and then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? And I love the fact that that's all she said. That woman spoke her truth. (laughs) She literally said in modern day's time, I did not ask you for a son, sir. Yeah, you blessed me, but I didn't ask for it. This would have felt different if I asked you for it, if I was seeking this, if I went on a journey trying to go ahead and obtain a thing, but I didn't ask for this. And I also told you that I get excited when when certain things are brought into me. And so I asked you not to deceive me. I told you, don't get my hopes up. I love the fact that she didn't waste that moment to be like, if I ask you something and you think you can bless it, and I know that one time when you, it was like, bruh, real talk, my real emotions, my knee-jerk reaction to the situation is I didn't ask for this. You ever felt like, oh, my gosh, you got a blessing, but then it turned, you know, a little alternate to what you believe. And you like, I didn't even ask for this. Oh, my gosh. Why am I suffering by, from something that I didn't even ask for? It wasn't like she was praying to God and saying, God, I really want a child. She, she didn't. And maybe low key, she never even tried to have a child for exactly that reason. Because... Every parent knows that there is a part of the parenthood that is a little bit on the anguish side at times. And it's like, dang, bro, I wanted a child, but I didn't want to uh, postpartum. I didn't ask for that. I didn't want these swollen body parts. I didn't want this lack of sleep, sleep deprivation to the maximum power. I didn't want Pampas and formula to be this much. I didn't, want, I didn't ask for this part of it. I wanted to be married, but I didn't ask for this strain. I didn't ask for, it felt like once I did a God thing, then the whole world came against. Like, I didn't ask for that. I came into this company thinking that it was going to be great and we was going to do great things. And oh my goodness, I'm stepping into the next season of my life and it's going to be great. I didn't ask to be the target of a gossiper. I didn't ask to be a target of someone who don't know how to speak professionally. I didn't ask for that. I moved to this particular neighborhood because of the school system or because of the, just the, what, the crime rate was low. I wanted to do something better for my family. I wanted to break generational curses. I didn't ask for someone to come in and try to take something of mine or try to make me uncomfortable or be scared to walk out of my door because there's dogs roaming or whatever the case may be. I didn't ask for that. I accepted the blessing, but I didn't ask for that part. It's the equivalent to what this woman was saying. And you know what I really admire? That after she said that, Elisha didn't even have any more conversation with her. Elisha didn't say too much. God didn't reveal it to him, I believe, because no one else can express your anguish like the way you can. So what did he do exactly after that? Verse 29. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. (laughs) take my staff and go don't talk to anyone along the way go quickly and lay the staff on a child's face and that and that was cool i respect you you know, you can't leave the throne or you can't leave the palace or you can't leave the office or you can't leave your station or you can't leave the base. I get it. So you sent someone who's probably, you know, um, trained to do exactly what you're anointed to do. But that's just the thing. They are trained where you are anointed. So I love the fact that the very next verse, the woman told him, I'm not going home unless you go with me it is very critical to understand there's a huge difference between being qualified opposed to being called, being trained versus being anointed. You don't want someone who is elbows or shaking elbows, rubbing elbows rather, with the person who can actually do what it is that you need. And so for her to then say, I love the fact that you thought that that was going to help. You know, you told him to go quick, don't talk to anyone. That was cute, but I actually need you, sir. Yeah, don't send your servant out there. Don't send your assistant out here to talk to me. Don't send your um, executive nothing. I need you to come with me for this situation. Beautiful act to me. Because any time that Jesus was healing someone, I never once saw Jesus say, um... One of my disciples can go and heal you real quick. Jesus was like, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go to your home. I'm going to go and touch you. I'm going to do the mud spit pie. I'm, I'm, I'm. Jesus knew I can send my anointing through someone, but it's better if I go because I'm the anointed one. So if Jesus knew that somewhere transferred in the anointing spiritual realm, this woman understood that. That's cool that you was going to send your servant, but that's not what I'm requesting. I'm requesting that you go with me. But you know what? (laughs) That had to be a spiritual translation or download, right? Because the next verse in 31 says, uh, uh, he hurried up and did exactly what he was supposed to do. He laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. Oh, almost like when God gives you a thing, he also gives you the insight on how to care for that thing. Like I always tell my son, I said, you know what? I get a special advantage um, or insight rather on your life because I am your mother. Because I am your mother, there are certain things that it's just a knowing that God just goes ahead and transfers in my soul, that he goes ahead and it says, "Mm, I know stuff before it happens. It's just, and we can go ahead and give the, you know, the claim to that to be oh well I have a spiritual gift which I do oh well you know maybe because you've been around him for a long time yeah I have but there is something about being the overseer of this assignment that God gave to me that he gives me a set of instructions that no one would know because he gave it to me how did this woman know because she could have went ahead and said okay you sent in his servant thank you so much let me get on this donkey with the servant and go ahead quickly She came on on a donkey. I'm assuming they had stallions, something that went way faster. So she could have had and went with him. And you know what? It would have been a waste of her time because that servant went all the way out there, did exactly what Elisha told him to do and nothing happened. So she had to have the foresight of, I'm not even about, I know exactly how to get this back to where it needs to be. And so I'm not budging until it happens. So the fact that, that just did something to me in that and let that just go ahead and say, I mean what it is. But when, when Elisha got there and the, and the servant came back and was like, bro, he's so dead. Elisha was like, okay, I'm going to have to do something I've never done. Um, so he went in and he shut the door and he laid on top of the child and put his face on his face and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stressed out and he felt the warmth, which means that the blood flow started again in the child. And that was cool. But it but that wasn't that wasn't the resolve. So thirty thirty five says Elisha got back up. He walked back and forth across the room and then stressed himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. You know what the number seven uh, is symbolic for? Uh the number of completion. Yeah, I'm sure you heard that at some point. If not, the old people say it or the wiser generations have said it. Seven seven is the number of completion because that's how long it took God to go ahead and create the earth. And, you know, he rested on the seventh day. Yeah. uh, Or the heavens and the earth. So the fact that this child sneezed seven times was, yeah, n- now it's completed. Exactly what you came out here for, exactly what you were assigned to do and anointed to do is completed. And then 36, then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. 37, she fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. And then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. (sighs) Do you understand the fight that you have to have? to keep your anointing and your assignment alive. Do not let the enemy trick you to believe I told you it wasn't going to work. I told you you shouldn't have got your hopes up. I told you nobody in your family stays married. I told you nobody in your family is that free. Why did you think that you was going to change your bloodline? Why did you think that you was going to be a different parent? You saw how your parents were and their parents were and how their parents were. I told you wasn't going to be able to kick that habit. I told you what, because the, the tricky thing about the enemy is he'll let you have it for a little bit, but he'll come at an opportune time to try to make your hope that thing that was once hopeful. He'll do whatever he can at the right time to go ahead and turn your hope to despair and to doubt, which are the very things that are blessing killers. I'm sure she. I'm sure the first year or two she was like, mm, I'm gonna hold on. I don't want to get too excited. You know, remember our conversation on hopeful? You know, you try to suppress that real quick. Like, no, 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 I want to get okay when he saw. Okay, when he start walking, I'll get excited. Mm, no, no, okay. So when he go to school, then I'll get excited. So, but the boy got old enough to go ahead and help his father out. You know, he was old enough to go ahead and and work. So I want to assume he maybe was about fourteen. You know, I'm just gonna throw an age out. Because to me, if Abraham was getting ready to go ahead and sacrifice Isaac in his teens, and I w- want to go ahead and just kind of give that age too. You know, Jesus was at his father's house and when he got lost and he was 12. So um, around the tw- thir- 12, 13, I'm gonna just say 14, okay, to be safe. So he was old enough to go ahead and help out his father, which means she had a good decade and some change of like, oh my gosh. That one blessing, that one time, it really whatever. Just for it to be and cut prematurely. And the first thing that she said to him was, did I ask for this? Did not tell you not to deceive me, get my hopes up. Which means that for 14 years, she held the doubt in the back of her mind. I'm always extremely careful Not to hold doubt in the back of my mind. You know how sometimes you'll have those thoughts and you're like, mm. Yeah, and, and you just try to shake it off like, oh, no, no, I don't I don't want to think about it. No, no, no. When you have those thoughts, I need you to grab hold of it, hold it captive and say, God, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. I do not want it. You know why I don't play with that? Because in the Bible with Job, when it says that all, I mean, Job had the life, right? He had all the money, all the cattle, all the children, all the, he pretty much was extremely wealthy in his day and age. But when they came and told him like, bruh, your whole entire family is gone and told him all the things that led to his ultimate first half of his life demise. The first things or one of the first things that he said was what I always feared would happen happened. So wait a minute, you was living this grand life and then there was this doubt that was in the back of your mind at all times so that when it happened, you were like, see, I knew it. No, do not allow the enemy to have you subscribe to silently in the backdrop of your mind, of your being, that the very thing that you are now enjoying, it may come to an end. Don't you dare be in a marriage and feel like, mm... Yeah, but statistics say that after six or seven years, that's when it starts getting rocky. Oh, that's what you're subscribing to? That That's what you want to subscribe to? Yeah, you know what? With that child, you know when they become a teenager, everything is different, right? That's what you're subscribing to? Yeah, you know that car is going go to run for a little bit and then you know something's going to happen with the engine or something because, huh, you know, that's what you're subscribing to? Oh, you know, something's going to happen to this roof of this house or something's going to, you know, watch, it's going to be a tenant or some, or some kind of neighborhood. That's going to make my living condition some type of way. It's like when those passing thoughts come, start rebuking that. Because if you don't, then you're subscribing to it. And unfortunately, that's what this woman did. Why is it that after, and I want to just assume that she didn't see Elisha since she had the boy. So why is it, and, and how I want to go ahead and believe that, is because, when he again, when he saw her, he was like, ask her, is everything all right with her, her child, and her husband? Because, a.k.a., man, we don't see each other no more. What happened? After I bless you, I'm good. <laughs> why are you here? And then the first thing she says to him is, did I ask you for a son? That means she was subscribing to that thought this whole time. This whole time, when you think a thing, you you eventually manifest it. Start rebuking that. Do you understand that? <sighs> My challenge to you, because I was going to keep talking about it. I'm like, our phone calls have been extremely long, but it's been worth it, right? Like, you can say what you want to say about me not paying any part of your phone bill, but what you you cannot say that we are not getting... I'm talking about fruit that we'll be able to eat on for the rest of the generations to come. You'll be able to pass this on and pass this on and pass this on and help other generations, even people who's not in your bloodline because of the conversations that we're having. And that's my belief. Okay. Which you say, okay, I see you not in your head, but if you didn't, I would still believe in You can have a nice day. Okay. But my challenge to you is can we kind of mimic and learn from this woman? Can we understand that when you are in positions of power that you need to have poise as well? I don't know how this woman did it, but then again, I do. That God will give you, he will put his super on your natural for you to have a supernatural response to things that in the natural, it would be like, oh my goodness, I don't even know how I did that. Mm -hmm, I know how you did. God put an anointing on you. Can we understand and stop having it where we're going through third parties to go ahead and get a thing resolved? And for crying out loud, can we stop silently subscribing to something that's going to eventually manifest to our demise? Do you understand that? No, seriously, like, do you do you see where I'm going with that? Okay, I just wanted to make sure before we get off because, you, listen, I feel like you got what you needed. And you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you and waste their time, not waste their time, but have their time spent making sure that we both grow. Listen, I could be selfish with these nuggets, but you know what? I said, why? Why not share this Holy Spirit download when I know that the whole point of getting these downloads is to be an evangelist, however I can be it, spreading the good news, if you will, hmm? But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Um, I actually want to eat the rest of my salad. So that's what I'm going to do. So we will speak later. Okay. Later.